Welcome to Seniors and the People Who Love Them. I'm Cookie. I'm Pinky. And I'm Wendy. So last week, we had a phenomenal guest speaker from MedStar Home Health, VNA. She brought some good information to us. And if you have any doubts about what a home care agency does, I hope those doubts were cleared up because it's so much for home health care nurse liaisons to cover when they are bringing in people to when people are discharged to home. But I think that her information was very valuable. And I just hope our listeners got a lot from her. Yeah, I think she did a great job. And it was really helpful. A lot of people have a lot of people have a lot of misunderstandings about home care. And I think she cleared up a lot of those and a lot of people need help in home care. So it was great to have her. Okay, before we start tonight, we have a disclaimer. Now, a weekly disclaimer is that we are not physician or lawyer. If you have any medical issue or legal issue, please seek to practitioner or lawyer to give you professional advice. Thank you, Pinky. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is definitely front and center for seniors. We're going to talk about falls, specifically the impact of falls, how to prevent a fall, what to do if you or someone you care about has a fall. We have a returning guest host joining us today, Ira Batiste O'Donnell. She has been in the nursing field her entire career and can assist us in talking about this important topic. Welcome, Ira. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Welcome back, Ira. Glad to be here. Tell us about what you think of when you think of falls. When I think of falls, uh, realistically, you want to know what I think about as a nurse? It's a lot of paperwork. Exactly (laughs) what I think. Very true. And it usually happens at the end of your shift. Yeah. (laughs) But falls are very common in in our setting, which is a SNF Mm -hmm. facility or long-term care. It is, there's, they have the right to fall is what we say normally, because you want to, you want to encourage independence, but at the same time, keep them safe, which is very difficult, especially with the little old ladies and young men, old men, I should say. Did a little bit of research on falls, and I found a lot of great information from the World Health Organization. And I wanted to read you guys some statistics. This is from 2021, so it's pretty current. It's from the World Health Organization, so this is worldwide statistics. Falls are the second leading cause of unintentional injury deaths worldwide. I'm guessing car accidents is probably number one. Each year, an estimated 684,000 individuals die from falls. 80% are in low and middle income countries. Adults older than 60 years of age suffer the greatest number of fatal falls. 37.3 million falls that are severe enough to require medical attention occur each year. That's a crazy number. Prevention strategies should emphasize education, training, creating safer environments, prioritizing fall-related research, and establishing effective policies to reduce risk. What do you think about that? The number is number are crazy. that putting is prospective. Oh my God, that many fall and that many death causing my fall is unbelievable. Yeah. But when you see the number, that's shocking you. Yeah, that's pretty crazy statistics, but I know we see it in our profession. And the sad part is, once they break a hip, that's normally the end of it all caused by a fall. Yeah, I work in home hospice and we see a lot of people trying desperately to stay in their home environment. And it's really borderline that they can be home alone. And sometimes a fall is usually the decisive factor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, totally. So I think we may have touched on it just a bit from you guys, but let's kind of reiterate, who's at risk for falls? The older you get, are you more at risk or are there other underlying issues that cause you to fall more often? And I don't mean just in a skilled nursing facility, but I just mean generally at home, in your home, when you're out, who would you say? 
I think if you have vertigo, if you have problem with your ears, because that controls mm-hmm. the balance, if you're on medications that contribute to dizziness or whatever, like narcotics, it predisposes you to be a high mm-hmm. risk to fall at home, even. Anybody that's having trouble walking or gait issues or one leg isn't as strong as the other leg, or you had surgery on one of your legs, your hips, anybody who has gait issues or in general, your physical condition has just declined. Like last month, you could climb those stairs without holding the railing, but this month you can't. They're at greater risk for falls. And sometimes it's temporary things that happen if you're sick and you can't walk for whatever reason. It just changes like that. I agree because I can remember some time ago, I didn't know because there were other issues involved with this, but I learned that I was getting out of bed one time. I fell over. I hadn't been drinking. (laughs) Stop drinking. But I'm thinking, what the heck is this? And it happened a couple of times and like this is really weird and what I learned later was that my blood count was low and I was mm, borderline yeah. anemic yeah and then I was put on iron pills for a while and then I changed my diet more in terms of because I've never been much of a red meat eater so I just changed some of the things that I would do, I was doing our listeners need to know that there are other things that we can do to help prevent the falls I know we're going to get into that at some point later but I think you already mentioned that it doesn't have to be a prolonged period of time when we're trying to correct certain things. It could just be temporary. Yeah. And I think the key is if you don't feel right, go to a doctor. Yeah. You know, don't think that it's, oh, it's just my age or it's just this, it's that, the other. That's the best. That's the advice I give my husband. And your body tells you. He's very young. Also, with... We are hitting the COVID and last couple of years, the COVID side effect was respiratory compromise. And when somebody's respiratory compromise, that they are not able to take enough oxygen. And that also affect how they walk because we know that a lot of elderly people that has not been walked for a while start walking and they get exertions while walk. And if they don't recognize that and say, oh, I'm going to still continue walking, and that is very high risk for fall, as previously we told that you have to listen to your body. And the same thing, you need to know that you coming out of steam, you need to take a break instead of start walking. And in my experience, a lot of people that, came from hospital to other facility after, like example, doing surgery or something, has not walked for three, four days in a hospital and suddenly start walking, then they are short of breath because they're coming out of steam. And they need to realize that, okay, it's time to stop and take a breath before we continue start walking. So that's all also affecting our, affecting Yeah, I've seen some people with like severe COPD and just transferring two or three feet. It just takes every ounce of energy they have. And then they stop breathing because they don't have that energy left to even breathe. And they just drop straight out. I've seen that happen many times. Yeah. The other thing I was just thinking about my mother-in-law, she has syncope. And you never know when it was going to come on. So when you see her staggering like she's drunk, oh, something's happening. But there's no solution for that. It's just, it is what it is. No medications for syncope? Not really. Wow. Hypertension. Also, the daily activity, like people wants to go to the bathroom or going to toilet, and they're rushing to go that because nature, they cannot control. And problem happened they were trying to go quickly and then fall happened because they're not keeping them balanced while walking and stuff and then they fall and that also happened like a lot of falls in my experience that I've seen happen like 
they wanted to go to the bathroom or going to try to go to the bathroom and they end up falling because they did not have the balance to walk to the bathroom. But again, nature calls so they couldn't wait. So that here we go. And that is one of the major causes of fall too. The other thing, like for example, we're, we're cooking our work right now. It, 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 their cognition, and trust me, they're pretty old where we are. Average age is like 90 something. Wow. And their cognition, oh yeah, we have a hundred year olds still living in an apartment. Okay? Wow. <laughs> so by the time I get them, you see what it is. But they, it's between your, you want to be independent, but then your body just <laughs> doesn't follow you. And either that, or you think you can do it. And because you've been trained with rehab. And then you just can't do it because you're not there yet kind of thing. It's just sad for me for the cognitively impaired is really what's sad because they don't understand. They think they can and not. And that's mostly where the faults happen when they think yep. they can. Yep. Have an aunt who just stubborn and some cognitive decline and she will not use her walker and she is falling every week and we just yeah. can't talk her into it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah, it's not connecting. They hear it, but they just don't conceptualize it. And it's not, it doesn't take long to lose muscle mass in terms of, you can be in a hospital for three or four days stay. And in that time frame, you will be surprised at just how easily that you lose that ability to function in terms of your lower body, trying to move your legs and walk from one area to the other. So I really believed in the expression, if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> you really do. And people often think it's a matter of age, but I think it's more or less lifestyle. Obviously, cognitively plays in, but if, as Ira stated, we have some very sharp and astute people in terms of cognition, but over a period of time, they stopped exercising, stop doing things that allow their bodies to continue to function in a pretty decent manner. So it's, we just have to remember that age is in some aspects, not just a number, but age is not the only factor in why people are falling. People sometimes get lazy. Yeah. There's not one reason. Absolutely. Yeah. People get lazy over time. And the other thing I was just thinking about is sometimes you fall because it's an indication that something is wrong. For example, we had a lady that just fell opening the door coming into our unit. She went to the hospital. She came back. Come to find out she's COVID positive. So, you know, it's okay, which came first kind of thing. Thank God she's not injured. But this long COVID is really affecting the people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and also the vision is the one of the leading cause of the fall too, because as you grow older, your vision is declined. And sometimes some client will wear a glasses and sometimes even they have a need of glasses, they won't wear it because they don't want to. And those kind, so when you have a vision impaired, your distance prescription is wrong. You think your the door is five miles, but it's really two miles. And you're going to the door and boom, you think door is not there, but door is so close to you. Or even any rug under your feet, you might not be able to see it. Yeah. I've done it. Correct. You see some object on the floor and you're thinking it's a further down, but it's close by. And then you end up falling because you reason doing trick on you because you're not wearing proper glasses or your reason is impaired. And that's the one of the also uh, cause of falling elderly population. Ida, we have a question. Discuss impact medication on risk for fall. What are the medication impaction on the fall? Medication, it, it all depends on, number one, what medications, and it affects everybody differently. Let's say you're taking an anti-anxiety kind of thing. It does affect your head, that you get dizzy and all that, so that 
get put you in a high risk for fall. Narcotics, diuretic, because you gotta go, you gotta go. Yep. What else can we think about? I can't think of anything. There's your blood sugar. Yeah, the, your blood sugar uncontrolled. Compliance with medications too is also a risk. So if you're right. not doing what you're supposed to do, what else? That's all I can think of. So a lot of listeners need to know the medication they are taking and what involves the risk on it. Because some medication have a high risk of fall, you already have other causing factor for fall. You might want to talk to your doctor, see if it's a other medication do the same effect for your high blood pressure or blood sugar, which have a lower cause of the fall, then you want to discuss because you remember all mod all medication have a side effect. But again, what Ira says, it doesn't always affect same way to individual. So when yeah. you take prescribe the medication, you make sure you ask the question to your doctor or physician or nurse practitioner are these medication are putting me on high risk for fall? Yes or no. So consciously you are aware of it that, okay, I'm taking this medication right now, hypertension, and they have a risk for fall. Once I take it, I would sit for a while, at least for an hour before I start walking. So that prevent a little bit risk less then you take a medication in half an hour, you start jumping, walking. I have a good story for you. When I first became a nurse, and you know where I was when I first became a nurse. <laughs> when I first became a nurse, I had a patient in the subacute unit who looked like a great patient. She was there for a surgery, but she was walking, talking, cognitively intact, super stable, easy patient, right? No problems. She took Ambien at night. Oh, gave her an Ambien, tucked her in bed. She wanted the door closed. She wanted it dark, made her all comfortable, went to bed, slept all night, woke up the next morning, her entire face bruised, bloody, and mm. she didn't know it. She walked. She was sleepwalking. She like woke up like she was absolute normal. And I was like, I was so taken aback and frightened I was like what's happening and I heard that before she looked in the mirror and couldn't believe it she had no mm -hmm. recollection yeah the story that I remember and I'm pretty sure it was Ambien was Sharon's mother who sleepwalked she had no recollection that she had fallen yes and try to go out the door and stuff like that exactly yes. so and she didn't yeah. have anything broken but like she had cut her face and wow that's why we resist Ambien yeah. now, but this was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. And that's the same story I have two days ago on my job. We were discussing risk management and I read somewhere that patient was found on the floor. And so investigation, patient put herself on the floor and then she asked the gentleman help her to get her up from the floor. So the lady staff say, oh, we don't have any gentlemen. She got up out of the floor and went to bed. But throughout the day, she don't even move. So it's like sudden some sprite and they happen and they end up on the floor. And then they realize there is nobody to help them. They get up and go. And I think that's exactly what happened to Whitney. She probably fell, got up by herself, yeah. went to bed, and yeah. next day it's a bruise all over. And doesn't remember any of it. <laughs> but going back to Pinky's point as far as knowing about the medication, a pharmacist is a great resource. And I think people don't take advantage of the, when you get your prescription, do you have any questions? Is there something you want to discuss and stuff like that? I think people should take more advantage of that if you don't know, if you really, there's no dumb questions, I'm sure, but they're full of resources. Also, the medications they give you has these little symbols. Mm -hmm. Don't drive, don't drink, whatever. It's there for a reason. Don't pay, I don't pay attention, but 
Yeah, you can ask your pharmacist to do an evaluation of what you're on. Polypharmacy, sometimes if you're on a tremendous amount of medications, your pharmacy will give a recommendation for something to be discontinued. Yeah. They can't order it to be discontinued, but it's their recommendation. And then you go to your provider and say, hey, what do you think about this? And also the interactions. Doctors mm -hmm. just keep prescribing stuff and not really yeah, and they don't looking at it. it as a whole. Yeah, so that's a problem. Certain chronic diseases inherently bring more of a fall risk, Parkinson's, diabetes we talked about. If you have neuropathy, which can manifest itself in numbness and tingling frequently found in your hands and your feet, if you can't feel your feet, you're going to be at risk for a fall. Yep. Obviously, if you have an injured leg or hip, like we had said, or a recent surgery, if you have recently undergone cancer treatments, such as chemotherapy or radiography, this can make you feel weak and dizzy. And a lot of times you can feel fine one moment and the next moment you don't. Very unpredictable. You have to really watch yourself when you're undergoing those kind of treatments. Yep. Like even if you have osteoporosis, you can be at risk of a serious injury from falling too. So... That's something that we have to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a very important statement because some people don't really check that or their vitamin D level or mm -hmm. stuff like that because that has a big impact on major injury, like a fracture, mm -hmm. if you're not, if you're bone or brittle, obviously. What would happen to me if I fall might be different than somebody with right. severe osteoporosis. I had my what is that scan called for 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 bone bone density? DX the Dex. DX, yeah. Yeah. And it was 14, which is the lowest of the low. I did not know that, which makes sense to me because you don't if you don't drink milk or dairy, whatever, put you at risk. But I caught it early, got on a loading dose of vitamin D, and I'm getting up there in age, so that's very important. Mm -hmm. Because yep. I don't want to fracture anything. Exactly. And I think that's an important step. At a certain age, you really need to see where you are. And they do the bone density test. I think the age may be 55 when they, your the, Yeah, the recommendation. Recommends. Yeah. yeah. So. Also, for your, like you said, your lifestyle, your diet, all of that too, if you're high risk for it. What yep. people don't often know is that you may be diagnosed with osteopenia as opposed to osteoporosis, osteoporosis, yes. And that's great if you are in that phase where you can start doing something differently yep. in terms of your vitamins and your diet. Exercise. And people don't realize, yep, the, people just do not realize the importance of exercise in your bones and your muscles. It is so crucial. So we're talking about osteoporosis as a risk risk for major injury. Blood thinner is is also the same as osteoporosis because if you have blood thinner, you fall and you hit your head. You could have subdural hematoma. You can have a whole other problems leading to other things. So if you're on that, makes you really high risk high risk for injury if you're on a blood thinner like heparin, lovenox. Zarelto Eliquis. And I'm sure you're taking it for a reason, whether it's atrial fibrillation, a CVA, whatever. But people need to know that you shouldn't ignore if you fall, whether you hit or your head or not, you got to get examined. And you could be you could bruise so easily from, yep. from these blood thinners. Yep. We had a patient that had kept falling now and she ended up with a double subdural hematoma. Yep. And yeah, it's sad because it could just decline you like that. Exactly. It's exactly. very unfortunate. Anyway. So we all talk about what caused the fall or what are high risks for fall. So now let's talk about what we can do preventively that happening the fall. In other words, how do we prevent a fall from happening? I don't like to say prevent because some things you just cannot prevent. I like to say minimize the risk, whether it's changing your lifestyle or taking your vitamin D or taking your rug away, stuff like that are all minimizing the risk of you falling. 
for some people, it is very difficult that therefore your goal or your intent would change at that point that you are going to fall, but then you're not, you shouldn't fall with injury. Prevention of falls. There is a lot if you're home that you can do. We talked about the rugs. We talk about, and a lot of people furniture surf. Yeah. I'm sure people have heard that. And yeah. Yeah. And if you're furniture surfing, you probably need a walker or a cane. You need a device. Exactly. Those are the things that you can do. I know a lot of people, it's a dignity issue. They don't want to use a walker. They don't want to use a cane. I know I would feel self-conscious about that, but truly you don't want to get yourself into a situation where you're even more injured because you didn't use that device when you need it. So have a device, make sure you know how to use it safely and use it. I don't mind telling your physician when you go for that physical and he asks you have you fallen lately people choose not to tell the truth because they don't want any outside interventions and that changed the whole independence level so you got to be honest about what's happening especially if you live alone or if you have a loved one where you're gone for a portion of the day they may have fallen they'll get up and you will never know anything about it you have to pay attention to your loved one especially when they're starting a new medication yeah, I just want to offer an alternative to a cane because I tried it with my husband and he was successful. <laughs> I bought him some hiking sticks. Yeah. Now, he didn't mind using that, but he would, would not hear of anything else. Yeah, I mean, you sometimes you got to think out of the box. That sounds like my dad. But like you said, he's embarrassed. Mm, embarrassed. Yeah. He doesn't want to be thinking you're old because he is old but stop it stop. But that work but that's how my dad was as well 96 or 97 when he passed and if he wouldn't have passed away then if he hadn't been so stubborn about his, his state cancer issue mm-hmm. which he kept from us for a while but he had one or two falls and somehow or another he got back on the rebound and this was embarrassed by the fact that he would have to use an assistive device and pride has a lot to do with it but we're asking our listeners just to be honest not only for their own well-being but for their loved ones for the family members that are watching you because it points to you being frustrated and worrying all day plus it affects the whole family if something happened to an individual exactly if you can't care for yourself then somebody else has to care for you and the worry and all the other stuff comes with it and then we initially when we first started our podcast maybe it was the first or second episode we spoke about continuing care at home and there there were some modifications that we could we thought about that we recommended that Maybe you should call an outside contractor, let that contractor come in, do an assessment of your home and talk about things that would help you just remain at home and not have some of those hazards around that were caused you to fall. So the home health companies, equipment companies are very willing to help you out as well as these outside contractors. Yep, absolutely. Like ramps and rails and exactly grab bars and the, the little exactly. sticky things on the bottom of your bathtub. Yeah. yeah. Right. Ducks. <laughs> if you're trying to get something out of the cabinet and instead of using a chair, which I've done yeah. in the past, buy yourself one of those, what do you call them? Those step stool. Yeah. Step stool to help you, but you just have to really be careful Yeah, when you get up and you get back down because it's so easy to slip and hurt yourself. Yeah, unfortunately, the fact is that until something happens, people don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. I know it's true for me. <laughs> exactly. Oh, just a couple years ago, my dad was going to get a giant ladder and go hang off the side of the deck so he could paint the outside <laughs> of the railings. Yeah, and I thought sure. I was very unreasonable by thinking that was not a good idea. I'm like, yeah. I think we should pay somebody to do that. Staying hydrated. In my research, it's it sounds so simple, but so many people, especially the elderly, do not get the water intake that they should. Staying hydrates prevents many factors that could lead to a fall. Your electrolytes are off, your blood pressure is down, and suddenly you're much weaker than you normally are. So drink your water. You're also predisposed to kidney stones. Yep. We in healthcare 
We tend to not go when we have to. Oh, yeah. And we hurt ourselves. And so if you have a senior member at home, sometimes people follow what they see. So we have to encourage them to maybe if they, I hear people say often, I can't stand water. I can't. I don't like water. Maybe do something to make the water more appealing. There's so many things that you can put in water. And drinking something is better than not drinking anything. But yeah, there's flavored water and seltzer water and there's things you can put in your water. I find I really, I've just discovered this in the last year. Like I really like to put fresh strawberries in my water. I love that little tiny bit of taste that it gives it. I wouldn't think it would make a difference, but I do that. Cucumbers work too. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't sound I like my water ice cold. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so I do not. When you're at work, the problem is that you don't think about drinking. Right. And that there's tools out there now, whether it's the graduated mugs that mm-hmm. you have, whatever, that can help. I know that I have to remind myself consciously. Yeah. Myself. After my kidney stones, that I have to drink water. <laughs> yes. Other thing is that in my experience working in a sniff facility, that some client would not drink the water because they need to go to the bathroom. And that's so true. They think that help will not arrive yes. and they will wet themselves. So they rather not drink water because then they don't have to go to the bathroom. They don't have to bother anybody to take them to bathroom. So that's also out there that that's true. Remember that that nobody hurting. You are hurting yourself when you are not drinking water. So that stigma is out there that if I drink too much, I have to go to the bathroom too much, and then I have to ask for help too much. Yeah. So that in mind, that also happens quite often when you rely on somebody to help you to take you to the bathroom. If you're on a diuretic too, the diuretics also keep yeah. you running. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's, I know people that don't want the diuretics because they don't want to be up all night exactly running to the bathroom. So they'll, de- they'll just decline to take it. And then they have fluid accumulation and it just goes round and round. The other thing is that if you're having issues with your urinary, like you shouldn't be, as soon as you drink water, you shouldn't be going to the bathroom. That's not normal. That's another way Mm. that you can, you have to get checked out because there's so many reasons for Mm. things. Yeah. I know it's not related to this, but it just boils down to, you got to find out what's wrong. Yeah, exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. Emergency call services. We've all seen the commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up, but this is a very real situation. I've taken care of seniors that ended up on their floor and had to wait sometimes with injuries for hours or even days until help has arrived. So don't let this happen to someone you love. Get a fall alert system. There are so many. There are some that are connected to an operator that can help you immediately. There are some that are connected to the 911 system. There's a lot of technology out there right now. You can get mats in your bathroom that if you fall, it'll alert somebody. You can get it to connect to your family member or your loved one. There's a lot of different things you can do. There's also alarms you can get from Amazon Mm -hmm. like that if you're living with somebody. Problem with those devices, I love the I fall and I can't get up thing. They involve money Mm -hmm. and a lot of the seniors, that's a problem because they're unlimited income and whatever. But I'm sure there's a program out there, which I don't know for sure. Yeah. But I'm sure there's something out there that can assist people. Yeah. Some waive the the initial startup fees there ways to help seniors yeah some of them have monthly fees too exactly yeah but you're correct if some necessity now to get one of those devices especially if you are home alone or yeah especially during some parts of the day or if it's just i think it's really necessary nowadays to have one of those types of technologies already discussed I live with my brother who has cerebral palsy and is wheelchair bound. And usually somebody's here with him 
at home. But occasionally we feel comfortable enough that we can go out for about an hour or two. He's pretty independent, but we have cameras in our house. They're very cheap. I think they were $25 each and it's an app on your phone and I can log into that. I also have one on my dog. I watch my dog when I'm away. I was going to say there, you can even give treats. <laughs> That's right. And it's a camera. Like we have, we have four right now because we also had somebody that was in our garage at one point. So we have one in our garage now too. And it's, it is really easy and it can give you peace of mind if you are, if you're the loved one of somebody that you can't live with them or you live far away or something, you can have that connection so that if they're not answering the phone or something, you have that backup to see what's happened. Yeah. But along with that, you have, you should have an emergency contact also, because a lot of the older people don't have families around, whether it's around or at all. Yep. And a neighbor should have something connection if something happened to you or not something like that i agree so let's talk a little bit about falls and nursing facilities and how that is managed and i know you pretty much have an expert on that ira what does falling in nursing homes you touched on it a bit but what is that process when someone falls what do you pretty much do because a lot of times people are unhappy Let's go back, though. When you get a phone call. Yeah, that's not where it starts, though. Okay. So in a nursing facility, it starts when you come in and you're going to be assessed for your risk factors, whether are you furniture surfing? Do you need a walker? Do you have overactive bladder? Stuff like that. You have medications that contribute to that. So that in itself can give an idea if you are at risk and certain interventions can be put in place depending on what it is. Let's say you are you always try to get out of bed. We have low beds, we have fall mats, that kind of devices that, that can minimize the injury. Again, not necessarily prevent the falls because we can't be there one-on-one -on -one for 24 hours. And then from that, if a person, if let's say I fell and I'm at a high risk for fall and my interventions were working at that point, then you have to add something else. You got to think of something else, depending on what happened on that fall. So you get assessed, you get a physical assessment, whether your limbs are uneven, pain, that kind of thing before you even get off the floor. And if you, like I said, if you're on a blood thinner, that, that really puts a flag out to everybody because it, it's so easy to get that hidden bleeding in your head yep. that you won't even know. You notify the doctor, that kind of thing. And depending on what happened after the fall, if you're in pain, obviously we have to offer something. We don't want anybody suffering. If you are injured, like to the, if your pain is not controllable, or if you're in such a pain that you could tell somebody's in so much pain that you need to go out and get checked out. Yeah. So. As we know that most of a fall, most common Injury with the fall is hip fracture, shoulder fracture, head injury, and increased bleeding if in anticoagulant, which we discussed prior. Skin tear, which a little bit open skin with the fall, that cause more problem with infection, and all this caused by fall. So keep in mind, when you fall and you have any doubt, that happening to you, please seek for 911, call your doctor, go to emergency room and check out. Even you feel safe, it's better to check out than regret that something happened to you and it did not go to seek the medical help. So make sure that if any doubt after fall, some pain, as Ira say, you have a pain on one side of him, Make sure it's you checked out because it is possible you might have a more severe injury that you realize because you're only focusing on a pain. And also make sure if your loved one living by themselves, you make sure that you make some check every few hours or so to some kind of connection with your loved one if you can to make sure to make we call round check rounds to make sure your loved one is safe in their independent environment. 
And more importantly, let your doctor know. Don't keep it a secret. Let your family know. Because, you know, they're the ones that's going to be there if something happens. Yeah, I've seen that happen so often. I also wanted to say that I think we've all grown up with the myth that, oh, once you break your hip, that's it. You're going to die within the year. And hip fractures are serious, but their fractures are just not the death sentences that they once were. Even with the alarming statistics that I started the podcast with, medical advances enable many people to have a really good recovery from a fall with injury, even a fracture. Yeah. I had a patient in the subacute unit that I worked. She was, I think she was 106. And she came in with a fractured shoulder, a fractured hip. She had to have surgery on both. I was shocked. And I was like, oh my, you know, what kind of. She must be in good condition at 106. She mm -hmm. was walking and living alone when she fell. Yeah, but she has to have good lifestyle. And she bounced back so well. Like yeah. I was amazed at it because just your skin healing at that age is really hard. And she did really well. And she did not go out in the same condition that before that fall, but she definitely healed and was able to resume a good quality of life. And that yeah. was just amazing to me. Yeah. In my opinion, the fracture, any fracture is really not the cause or the cause of the demise of the people in the statistics. I think it's the effect with the hip fracture, isolation. The immobility and yeah. The immobility it, it, it's just so much your pain. And when you're up in that age, we have somebody who was advanced dementia recently and and she came to the unit. Two days later she fell, fractured her hip. She died the other day because she couldn't she could not get up anymore. And right. and it's it's yeah. sometimes so, the it's the consequence of the declining condition. Yes. And then going to rehab and you don't want to go. And then you go to assist to a sniff. You don't want to be there. No, <laughs> nobody wants to be there. No. And, um, just, just a lot of control is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Pinky, do you want to tell us about the types of fall risk assessments we see in nursing facilities? Yeah. I just mentioned a patient when the client come on a first nursing or VR evaluating the risk factor. And risk factor based on how they move around, what is their bowel and bladder condition are, what kind of medication are they taking. And based on that, the score being created for fall. So when you high risk for fall, they try to put all preventive before the fall happened. So if somebody like up, and around and like to go to the bathroom and they are demented, we make a plan that let's take that client every two hours to the bathroom. So when she need to go, she don't look for a bathroom and rush to the bathroom where she going to end up some medication like we talk anti-anxiety, anti-psychotic, narcotic, all these medication that have some side effect that contribute factor of fall. So we evaluate patient present medical history, their ADL capacity, daily activity capacity, what they can do and not do, what need they need help. Like it's easy that if client emulate herself, it's a little bit easier for fall because they are stable and that's why they're walking sometimes. But if they are not walking at all, that other factor affects going to the bathroom because they depend on somebody to take into the bathroom. So all this medical history looked at as they come in and enter in the facility and make the score fall score we call high risk, moderate risk or low risk. And based on that, we make preventing plan for that client. And that's what we call through the care planning to make the preventing. Some clients like to drink a lot of water. So we need to make sure that water is 
available for them where they don't have to rush to get it where that might cause the fall. So that kind we evaluate. And then we evaluate every three months to make sure what the previously they come for is that condition has been changed because maybe they came with a three kind of antipsychotic, but three months later, they're not on antipsychotic. So that effective factor was removed from high-risk falls. So that make them a little bit less risky for falls. So that's the way how fall assessment done like every quarterly to reevaluate the client condition and what fall risk they are on to make their care planning process for to prevent the fall. Yeah, there's two other things that is very important in assessment. Number as far as the assessments, there are different kinds of assessments that some educational people have have created. A history of fall is a big thing. Once you've fallen, your risk for falling again is very high. The other thing is your diagnosis. If you can imagine you have Parkinson's, okay, you know what happens, you shuffle, whatever. So that puts you in a higher risk also. And like you said, if you're using a device, if even an IV that's not normally there, it puts you at risk. So the scoring, like you said, all those questions have points and the total score is added and that determines your risk score. And for the risk score, you have certain interventions or certain things you can put in place in a nursing facility you should put into place to minimize or prevent the falls from happening. It just flew out of my head. Okay. That's okay. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is in the in a nursing facility, some facilities have become very creative because when someone falls, it's really not just a nursing responsibility. Everybody should know if this person is high risk. So how do you come up with ways? Some people have the falling leap, which is what we have. And, you know, whatever it is, it, it needs to be, number one, maintained, make sure everybody knows about it, and they're aware of what they're supposed to be doing with it. Some places have socks. Different colored well, socks. Yellow socks, red socks, whatever, <laughs> at the hospital. You know I know. I, mean? I had patients fuss at me that they want the good socks, the socks uh, that let me do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. I said at Mercy, they had the yellow blankets too. Yeah. The lap blankets and stuff like that. But whatever it is, it means something. Yeah. It's so important that people are aware. And I think whatever it is that you plan or policy, whatever, if they're not aware, they can't follow. And you have to follow up on it with them or trick questions and stuff. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is the part of our podcast where we will review any feedback or questions received share some popular medical terminology. We're going to get another pinky joke and give you some resources to continue your research. We received a review on Apple Podcasts. John Hollis gave us a great five-star review. Yay! (laughs) He wrote, what a wonderful podcast. Such a wealth of knowledge, three diverse backgrounds, three wonderful perspectives, and a clear and concise format to disseminate much-needed information. Thank you for that wonderful review, John. So it's this time I will continue with a few medical terminology. So for today, I have high edema. That's a stimulant hormone. DS, myelodysplastic syndrome, lympho. You're coming up with some that I don't know, which is saying a lot. I'm trying. So there are many, many out there. Yeah. We were trying to get something. What happens oftentimes if we're in care plan conferences and it's easy for the nurses to kind of just discuss what's happening with the patient. And they're so used to just the acronyms and just the medical terminologies and the family members sometimes start frowning and you realizing they're not understanding what all of these medical terminologies mean. So we do that. So there would be a better understanding of some of these terminologies, but 
Pinky really continues to get deep with them. My husband was asking me the other day what was hyperlipidemia because he just had a checkup. Okay. Things that we just take for granted, like ADLs, people, that's a clinical term. Lay people don't always know what that means. Absolutely. And they don't ask. I have used common one already. So now I'm coming with not repetition of the common one. And that's why I'm going a little bit that can be used on this Mm -hmm. process, something like that. So. So some of the resources that I used when I was researching this topic, National Council on Aging has a great article on the six best medical alert systems with fall detection. It's from 2023 and it's not sponsored by any of the devices. So it's really an impartial, unbiased article. And their number one pick was the Medical Guardian, just to let everybody know, but they, that's a great article. And then the World Health Organization, if you're looking for things from a global perspective for any healthcare issues, the World Health Organization is my first stop. And I know a lot of times we want more local information than that, but if you're looking for statistics or just interested in what's happening in other countries in the world around us, that is an awesome resource. This is my time to give you some jokes, and I hope you laugh about it. I'm not sure it's funny or not, but we will try. While taking clinical history from the man, elderly patient, I asked, how is your love life? The patient said, I don't know. He said, I will have to ask my wife. So he got up, walked to the hallway where his wife was sitting, and he shouted, hey, the doctor wants to know if we're still having a sex. His wife said, no, the only thing we have is a man and blue chill brew cross. I liked it. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Before we close, we want to just once again thank our guest host. She's been really an added plus to the podcast. And we know we will be having her back again for something because she's a wealth of knowledge in all of the arenas related to seniors and seniors in health care. Once again, Ira, we thank you. We hope to have you as a guest host again. My pleasure. You know where I am. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Ira. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. Please subscribe to get our upcoming episode. We will be releasing new episode every other Tuesday morning. If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future topics, please visit our website, www.seniorscast.com. You can email us at seniors at seniorscast.com. Please give our podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give us a review. It really helps get us traction. It gets us up in the people's feeds of what comes up in their podcast players. So that's really the best way you can support our podcast right now. Until next time, I'm Pinky. I'm Cookie. And I'm Wendy. Bye-bye. Bye.